Nice work if you can get it And you can get it if you try Strolling with a one girl Sigh and sigh Welcome Peter Report readers viewers and listeners to another amazing edition of the Pewter Report podcast, energized by Celsius. We're going to break down day two, all the sights and sound of rookie minicamp. There were a lot of good, there were some bad. Um, Todd Bowlesless, so uh, Dave Canales and Harold Goodwin, uh, the co-defensive coordinators, Larry Foote and Casey Rogers were running the show without the uh, without the parents around. Um, but hey, it was a good practice, Definitely. Um, got a lot of solid work in, uh, and we'll be bringing it and breaking it down for you uh, here tonight on the podcast. Thank you guys for being here. I'm your host, J.C. Allen. With me, uh, we have Adam Sly Slavon in the house, who you make some noise for him because he just graduated from Tampa University with a degree in sports management. So congratulations, Sly. How you doing tonight, man? Thank you, man. I'm doing great. And while we're on the topic of graduation, shout out to Todd Bowles, who finally got his degree today. He was a speaker over at uh, Mount St. Mary's. A big day for him as well. Yeah, in 2009, he made a promise to his mother after entering the league, um, you know, without before graduating as an underclassman, made a promise to his mom that he'd go back and finish school. And today was that day. He had an unexcused absence from training camp today. Uh, so it was excused. And he went there. He graduated, walked across the straight stage, got his diploma, uh, and even spoke to the class. You can find that at the Buck, on, on the Bucks website and in their Twitter. It was just an awesome moment. Uh, his message to the class, once you stop learning, that's when you get old. Never stop learning. And it's such a great, um, great thing, especially – like a theme in minicamp as well, because these guys are learning, you know, and, and they're learning the ins and outs of the system. They're learning how to be a pro. And and it's kind of just like a, it's got to be a shock to these guys system because they're coming in from being part time athletes at the collegiate level, having to worry about school, having to, you know, having only a limited amount of time to spend in, in the class in the classroom and on the field. And then coming in here now, this is your job, your day in, day out job. Uh, you're learning everything so fast in the morning. Then you're going out and practicing it, um, the installs that you're learning. But, you know, I have to say between the two days, I saw a lot of impressive stuff that really stood out to me. Um, of course, there's going to be some fine tunings, and it was very vanilla. Uh, they're not giving away any trade secrets right now. But it was an overall good two days of practice. You were out there with us for day two. What were some of your major observations from day two? Just going along with, like some of the bigger plays that we saw out there. Let's start with Servassier Dennis. Let's and start with him. The one-handed catch he had during ball drills. He looked like a defensive back. He didn't look like an inside linebacker. He was doing his cuts, reading the ball, and then he could have used two hands. But he went up there and he's like, nah, I'm going to take it with one hand. Just a really great play. And overall, uh, throughout like all the press conferences today, we had three rookies, and each one, you can tell they want to grow, they're professional, and as you mentioned, they want to learn. And the two days of minicamp, it really gave them an opportunity to do so, go out on the field and make a great first impression. Yeah, Savasia Dennis definitely had, the, had I think, the two plays of camp with that one-handed catch. And now it's just in a position drill. You're not going up against anybody. But the one thing is you can see him flying around the ball. And yesterday, a, a lot of uh, around him coming out of college was, yeah, we know he can get after the quarterback. He's a good pass rusher. But it, how is he in coverage? He answered those questions yesterday with a pick six to the house, high pointing the ball, coming down, leaping uh, with it, dropping back in coverage and, and making that not only making that catch, but following blockers to the end zone for a would be touchdown um, if it was live. Well, but technically, we'll see. I mean, you never know. Someone could attack him. But um, still, it doesn't take away the fact that he's shown his athleticism. He's shown his ball skills the last two days going up with that one handed catch. Um, he also showed good hands on multiple other routes. Here's, here's a picture of him catching it with two hands this time. But yeah, Servasia Dennis, I think when you look at him, you, you see a guy who's humble, 
who's hungry and who's in, 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 uh, incredibly intelligent. And and we got the chance to speak to him, as you said today, and he had some really good things to say. Um, you know, he, he's a guy who's studied this past year, really honed in on his craft, on his um, preparation, on his film watching, uh, getting better at, at technique, studying the all pros in the NFL, the pro bowlers in the NFL, the, the Buckus Award semifinalists, the all ACC, the all SEC linebackers, and really trying to improve his game. And he talked a lot about that um, today in his press conference, just trying to get better um, and trying to continue to learn and develop at the next level. And keeping up with the theme of education, he's going to get a firsthand degree in inside linebacker 101, learning from Levante David and Devin White, two, arguably one of the best duos at inside linebacker in the NFL. And we've seen throughout the two days of minicamp that he can make plays. It was something that he did at Pittsburgh. He had 15 right. sacks and 36 tackles for loss. And he's going to be a playmaker when he gets on the field. And it could even be this season. Yeah. And one of the, the cool things about Servasier Dennis, who, who told us at, at the end of the press conference, he goes by Voss, um, is he's coming in with someone he knows. Not only with someone he knows, but a good friend of his in Kalaja Kansi from Pittsburgh. So having that ability, I always say, guys, when you're a rookie, there's so much going on. It's hard to put high expectations, even on these top, you know, first round high draft picks, because not only are you learning, you're going to a new team, going into the NFL, you're going to a new team, having to learn a new system, having to learn new coaches, new players, uh, new city, new surroundings. Like there's so many different things that are going on through your head. You're not having a normal offseason because you're not even training for football in the offseason up until you get drafted. You're training for the draft and for the pro day and etc so there's so much going on it's it's always best to temper expectations with the rookies but you know with, with Savasia Dennis he's got a high football IQ he's got a love of the love of football um and, and I think that you know one of the crazy things too is that you know his his dad's a big Tampa Bay Bucks fan he's got a lot of uh family in St. Pete. His dad's already pre-ordered a jersey. It says number seven, so they're going to have to get yeah. a new one. But uh, because of that connection to the area, he's already actually met one of the biggest legends at linebacker as well, Derek Brooks. So he's met him a few times. He's going to have a chance to pick his brain as well. I really think you know, he's a fifth-round pick, obviously, temper expectations. You know, no one's saying he's going to be a Hall of Fame player or anywhere in the shoes of Levante David or, or Derek Brooks, or even Devin White for that matter. But um, you know, with a high football IQ like that, with a guy who understands the game, understands how to read, react, has mo has versatility to play both inside line linebacker positions, can blitz, and as we've seen, isn't too shabby in coverage. Again, they're only in shell, you know, shorts and t-shirts out there with helmets. So it's you don't want to take away too much and get too excited about these things. But you know, I, I think. Um, you know, one of the big things about him is you see that willingness, that hunger, that desire, and, and with all the draft picks and all the guys in here, because that's what this draft class was made of. These guys are hard workers. They're, you know, blue collar. They're going to be um, guys who are going to put their nose to the grindstone and really get after it. And I think Savasia Dennis is just another one of those players. Um, and, and when you when you look at the situation he's coming into, couldn't be better, right? The system, we talked about work, playing for Todd Bowles, um, and, and the depth or lack thereof um, to really allow him to make an impact, especially on special teams, which he's he's talked about as well. When he was early on his freshman year, one of his guys told – one of the, his uh, uh, co-workers, I guess, or um, teammates, rather, sorry, uh, t said to him, if you want to make it to the NFL, you got to play special teams. And he's played all four years, was the PP, uh, personal punt protector, and the last three of them. So he, he's got a good chance, really, to make this team on special teams and maybe see, see a role on defense as well. And that was something that he even alluded to, was being the right fit. I don't think uh, Sebastian Dennis could have gone to another team and fit in as well as he will in Tampa Bay. Learning from Levante David, from Devin White, and then – his dad and family already being in St. Petersburg, already having a Bucks jersey, learning under Todd Bowles. He seems to be a Todd Bowles kind of linebacker, a great communicator, very smart. And it isn't just the talent on the field. It's the knowledge that you have. And these aren't players that the Bucks drafted. These are also people. And each of them that we heard from today, high character guys and just very intelligent. And Jason Light, 
that's something that he targets captains leaders and in that aspect they really hit the nail with the hammer or, yeah yeah absolutely and like i mentioned he's coming in with his teammate kalaja can't see and uh me and you both observed him in individual drills uh today and the <laughs> adam that get off is nothing to joke about yeah He's got the speed to turn the corners, the leverage, the bend to to get almost parallel to the ground. Uh, there's a couple of clips up on Peter Report and on my my page as well on Twitter of him um, in some of those drills and the way he moves his hips. I really think this guy has a chance to be a disruptor for the Buccaneers year one. Now I'm not I'm not saying he's gonna you know you know high sack totals or anything like that, but as me and Scott alluded to yesterday, there's definitely an opportunity for him to make an impact whether that's creating for other people or creating for himself. Uh, everything I've seen from Kalajah Kansi so far uh, is everything that the coach has raved about. And as you mentioned, you want to temper expectations, but you also want to get really excited for what Kalajah Kansi can bring. You have Warren Sapp, Gerald McCoy as rookies. They only had roughly two or three sacks. So you can't expect them to come out and just be an all pro right away but just really exciting traits he's already added. I think he's up to 286 now. He's already gained some weight, and he looks really explosive. And another guy that looks really explosive has the athletic ability, Yaya Diaby. And when you see him on the field, I don't know what jumps out first, his athleticism or his smile. He's always smiling. And you see this picture here. He's just really excited and a great energetic guy. Yeah, 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 Diaby. I mean, he—he's a guy who's going to come in here and uh, give everything he's got. Uh, speaking with him yesterday, he's another high character, high, uh, high you know, performer. Uh, you saw what he what he did his final final year uh, with Louisville. He's got that bend. He's got that get off. I really think he's going to be a player uh, for the Bucks as well. Can't see though. You, you you look at what he did today. Uh, he, there was a case uh, of low snap Douglas, one of the tryout guys uh, who was a center. He had a low snap to one of the tryout quarterbacks and Cansey flew into the backfield, had a would be sack. And whether it's Cansey getting in the backfield like that, or whether it's him, um, you know, pushing the quarterback out of the pocket into the waiting arms uh, of a, of a Yaya Diaby here, uh, who's all business in this picture. Um, he's really going to create, create, and it's going to allow, Diaby, uh, Shaq, Joe Tryon, Shoinka, all these guys uh, to really be able to get after the quarterback in ways that they might not have in, in previous years. And that's no slight to Akeem Hicks. That's no slight to Nadam Kasu. Um, but when you have a guy as big and as quick as Kansi, um, as far as not obviously height and weight, but as far as power quickness, uh, he's going to open up a lot of things for Yaya Diaby. And I think when you, when you look at Yaya, you know, another question of his was how is he in, in coverage? And they were doing a, quite a few drills there today. Uh, Yaya, uh, Jose Ramirez, and, and the other edge, edge linebackers. And, you know, just observing from the sideline, they're on the opposite in the field, but you can see the fluidity in his hips opening because that was part of the drill was to – you know, they, they point the football in opposite directions and in your back pedal, you'd have to open your hips to those ways before turning and finally making the pick. Obviously, with those giant mitts of his, he came down with the ball, showed good ball spills, uh, but his ability to open his hips and coverage was was impressive as well. Definitely. And you mentioned Yaya Diaby, his roommate, Jose Ramirez, another guy that could be in that outside linebacker picture. And from what we heard from today, I really like his character. That that's the theme. And he one quote that stood out to me is don't change your dream dreams, change your habits. This is somebody that he started off in JUCO. He worked his way, played his butt off last year at Eastern Michigan, had I believe 12 sacks and his journey to the NFL, it was a difficult journey and at any point the like the odds were stacked against him. And the fact that he's out there He's playing with Yaya. They're building a relationship. It was somebody that he met at the Combine. He's really detail-oriented, and he doesn't just break down film. He wanted to clarify today. He studies it, looks at the opposing matchups, the quarterbacks, and he's all about putting in that work. Yeah, and one thing about Jose Ramirez and Yaya Diaby, 
Coach George Edwards, who's taken over for outside linebackers, he talked about, you know, his track record, not only just working with a Micah Parsons, but working with a Cam Wake in Miami, uh, the list of pro bowlers that he's worked with. And, you know, they're really ex- they're they're both really excited um, to, to get all of the knowledge that he has. And Jose Ramirez, as you mentioned. He doesn't just study film. He injects he injects it into his system, right? This is a guy who, in talking to his head coach, uh, you know, doesn't have a bad bone in him. Is always looking to help his teammates, help himself. Uh, there were stories that he told me that the coaches would be coming back um, late at night, and he'd be running stairs at eleven o'clock midnight, running stairs in the stadium, um, just continuing to get better. There are times where they would come in in the morning, early in the morning, to start prepping for meetings. They'd go into the meeting room, there'd be film running, and Jose Ramirez would be passed out because he fell asleep watching film all night. That just speaks to his character. And another uh, big thing was, you know, his favorite game this season was the game that he didn't play in, and, and if because his guys got that attention. Eastern Michigan's not a big school. And when you have a guy like Jose Ramirez, who followed in the footsteps of Max Crosby and broke his record this year uh, for, for single sacks in a single season, he was most excited to see his guys get that spotlight, see his guys get their first sack, see his guys get that attention. And, and it just speaks to the level of character that, that the Bucks have brought in. Uh, with these guys, but also the impact, the production, 12 sacks this year. He's got an, an insane natural ability to bend and get yeah. lateral to the ground to avoid these long-arm tackles. Obviously, it's going to be a jump in production. He was a sixth-round pick, so we're not saying he's going to be a starter anytime soon. But you know, the biggest thing is these guys have the drive, the will, the want to, and the athletic ability um, and the smarts to be able to make an, a role for themselves. I, I've been saying it since since this draft really came about this isn't um i don't think this is necessarily a draft that's going to produce a bunch of pro bowlers or hall of famers but what it is going to do is it's going to produce a a guy a bunch of guys who are going to be in the league for a long time whether that's as backups whether that's as you know rotational guys uh whatever you want to look at it I, i think when you look at um what the bucks did and what they achieved when we look back at this uh, we're going to look back at this as, as being a, a really good draft for the Buccaneers, for Jason Light, and for the future of the franchise going forward. I agree. It seems to be that the Bucs got a lot of depth, and they got a lot of key players, guys that can fill a role and do it really well. And from building a football team, you don't want a top-heavy heavy roster. You see it with, like, the Rams last season. If you have a few star players and then a bunch of guys who should be on the bench, but they're thrusting them into roles – you're not going to have success. You need those guys that can, they know their role. They can step in. They know what to do. They're knowledgeable. They're smart. They have character. And it seems to be with all the Bucks draft picks, none of them are even close to hitting their ceiling. You have guys like Elijah right. Cancy. He's really raw, but if he hits a ceiling, he can be a pro bowler and all pro. You just don't know. And I feel like that's a theme with a lot of the picks. Right, right. I mean, they've got low floors, high ceilings. Uh, and there's, I mean, high floors and low ceilings. They're, they're going to be able to contribute right away. And the biggest thing that, that I've noticed, too, is all these guys bring the energy. They yeah. all bring the energy, which makes me think, did they have a Celsius before they, they hit the field? Did they have a Celsius before they were at the podium? Because the energy that these guys put out is just a vibe, you know. And, and if you want to get that essential energy day in and day out, you guys got to make Celsius a part of your life. Um, every day waking up, uh, instead of a coffee, instead of one of those other, you know, energy drinks, Celsius is my go-to. The, the flavors are insane. You see the vibes right here. They have the new ones over here as well with the fantasy vibe, the sparkling lemon line, the OG orange, um, everything you want out of, out of a energy drink Celsius gives you, it's got seven essential vitamins and nutrients. Uh, it accelerates your metabolism. It burns fat. Um, and it, it is, it is, uh, the best bang for your buck out there. Um, my favorite go-to strawberry lemonade, but I'm really coming a fan of the sparkling lemon line. It tastes like a, a sparkling lemon line soda, uh, but it gives you that boost and that energy. And if you, you know, if you're looking, where can I find Celsius? Where, where, where can I get Celsius? All you gotta do is go to Celsius.com, click on the store locator, 
Find a Celsius near you. They're everywhere at your local gas stations, grocery stores, health and wellness stores, um, at your local, as Maddie would say, bodegas. Uh, they're everywhere. You can find a, a energy drink or water or whatever it is, uh, any sort of beverage. You can find a Celsius there. They're taking over the country because they're that good. Uh, it, once you find the one, the flavors you like, you can always go uh, to Amazon and, and click the subscribe and save and it'll come monthly to your doorstep. Definitely cannot recommend Celsius enough. Guys, if it's not part of your life yet, you guys definitely need to get on that because Celsius, the um, you know title sponsor of the Pewter Report podcast, is definitely where it's at. But uh, other than you know the energy that they bring there, you, you can tell that all these guys are smart. And, and the biggest thing is they're humble, right? When we <laughs> talking to Trey Palmer today at the podium, uh, He's like, I don't, I don't think I'm fast. I don't, you know, he runs a four, three, three, forty. All right. Yeah. When we asked who he thinks is fast, he said Tyree Kill, who ran a four, two, seven. Like, yeah. it's and not, that's the only guy he brought up. Right. Point seven, whatever, a what, seconds away from each other's forty time, and he doesn't think he's fast. And he's just humble, you know. This is a guy who's down to earth. He's got, you know, two kids that he that he's trying to be there for. And, and, as a as a father who didn't have a father figure growing up in his life, um, it really changed him. Um, and you can see that determination, that want to, that will to to not only do better for himself but do better for his family um, and, and for his teammates. That was a big thing too. You know, uh, he, he talked about you know if, if it's not him, I'm gonna get it to my teammates. What were your biggest impressions from Trey Palmer, uh, not only at the podium but also on the field? When he mentioned, like, his love of the game, he said he's all about football, football, football. Even when he's not on the field, he's not in the facility, he's at home studying. And he'll just be laying in bed looking over concepts. And it already sounded like he knows the playbook. He is doing flashcards with the with the concepts, the routes that he runs, and a really quick learner. He's confident but humble at the same time. You alluded to with the speed, but he wants to be the greatest. He wants to learn from Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Russell Gage on what it takes to be a pro. And when he scores a touchdown this season, if that happens, the Buccaneers need to post the dog meme where it shows he got he has, he has that dog in him because yep. that's what he mentions. He mentions that Tampa Bay is getting a dog, somebody that's going to go out there, make plays, and be high energy, whether that's as a receiver on special teams just very impressive. And the fact that the Bucks got him with the sixth round pick, the draft on day three, it goes all over the place. You have guys getting reached, guys you didn't think were going to be drafted, being taken in the fourth, fifth round. The fact they got Trey Palmer in the sixth round, he's a steal. Yeah, as Maddie would say when talking about Celsius, once you get to those later rounds, it really is whatever spice of life you want, right? You guys start taking uh, players who they have high on their board who might not be high on other people's boards because of whatever reason uh, that you want for them to bring their organization. I was surprised he was there in the sixth round. I'm not going to lie. I thought he was a fourth, fifth round type prospect. Some people even had him in the third round, but He's going to bring versatility, outside, inside ability. He only had one year of production. But when you look at the reasons why, uh, I'll just name them. Jamar Chase, <laughs> uh, Justin Jefferson, Terrace Marshall Jr., uh, KJ Butte. Uh, he had a bunch of people in front of him at LSU, which prompted him to make that transfer. Uh, and he followed you know, his coach, Mickey Joseph, who was there at Nebraska, who was an interim head coach last season. Um, so, you know, he had that experience. He had a guy who knew how, his, how he could play his play style, his versatility that, like I said, play, he's going to mostly play in the slot for the bucks, but he can go to the outside if he needs to as well. But as a special teamer, uh, kick return, punt return, he's obviously going to be a gunner with that speed as well on kickoff and, and, and punts. Um, so he's a guy that's got that experience. Uh, we saw him today, Adam doing an end around kind of used in that Debo mold. I, I kind of asked him about that like i'm not going to compare you to debo but you know your ability to play in the backfield and 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 do those types of things and he just said it just alludes further to my versatility so i and then you see him on the field too like this is a guy who he didn't i don't think he dropped the ball all weekend no. um and he was digging balls out of the dirt these rookie 
uh, these undrafted tryout quarterbacks, they weren't the best. Um, uh, they yeah. they had some decent throws here and there, but the amount of overthrows, the amount of low balls uh, were, were all over the place. So, and you expect that mostly from the undrafted guys. But but Palmer, I tell you, you know, he, he's got hands and he's got the speed to match. Obviously, it's going to come to – you know, with putting it all together, and that's what he's 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 trying to do now. He's got a great wide receiver coach and Brad Idzik, who's who's going to pick his brain and kind of, uh, you know, learn everything. Who who he spent time with DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett and and some of these great players out in, in Seattle. So he's going to try to do everything he can to pick his brain um, and continue to get better at his craft. But I really think the Bucks potentially got a steal here um, with, with Trey Palmer. And so far, I've been impressed with everything I've seen from him. And, and at the podium today, he took a little while to warm up. Uh, when you watch his draft presser, uh, very, you know, kind of short answers and, you know, succinct and to the point. And today you could you could feel him starting to get more comfortable up there. And some of his answers were, you know, really detailed and in-depth. And uh, like I said, I feel like they've got a steal in him. In, in the sixth round, and, and I'm, I've been impressed with him the lo- over the last two days. Again, temper expectations, but rookie minicamp, he looked good. Yeah, and it wasn't just the players who impressed. You mentioned the wide receiver coach from Seattle. How about the yeah. offensive coordinator uh, for the Bucks now, Dave Canales, out there today? You were talking about the quarterbacks not looking the best today, but Dave Canales, he was trying. He was with them in the drills. He acted as like the rusher. Uh, getting to the the quarterback and like the mock plays and just his energy. You can see it out there. He might've had a Celsius before practice the way he was <laughs> running around. And you can just sense that it's a completely different vibe this year with Dave Canales running the offense. And that's something that Bucks fans should really be excited about. Yeah, there he is right there simulating a rush. Uh, another one simulating that rush for the quarterbacks bouncing around. The energy is so high with him. He's bouncing around the quarterbacks. He's running over to the running backs. He's with the wide receivers. You know, he's got pretty good offensive line coaches in Gilbert and Goody. So, you know, but he's still, when they get to teams, he's communicating with them as well. Uh, Dave Canales just brings a different type of energy uh, to the Buccaneers that we haven't seen in the last three years. He's a guy who has got his hand in in all the cookie jars um, and he's doing his best to try to get his players to, to, you know, recognize uh, what's what's happening before the play happens, uh, doing his best to, to get everyone to digest the installs in the morning to be able to go out there, you know, first things in the walkthroughs. And then when they when they go when they're going, you know, full speed, if you'll call it uh, later in the day in, in, in the regular practice, he's got everybody buzzing around. And and you can see that there weren't many mental mistakes from the wide receivers uh, there were a few on the offensive line today. There was a couple of false starts. Um, Douglas was one of them. Uh, Silas Janzi was another one who just signed last night. Wasn't at practice day one, but was at practice today at day two. He'll be wearing 61 for the Bucks. Um, but when you look at Dave Canales and, and what he brings so far to this offense, it's energy. Uh, and, and you can see that radiating through the guys. Radiating. Everyone's excited. Rookies of course are naturally excited but when you talk to you know the guys who the coaches and, and some of the players who are there you know the the the, the facility is a buzz right now um and, and dave canales is definitely doing his part to in order to to bring that alive there too but you mentioned Payne durham too man i don't know this guy catches everything thrown his way um he just makes it look easy his 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 height, his length, his mitts. I mean, look at that. I mean, his oh yeah, his route running is is better than what I thought it would be. Uh, and again, it's not. You know, they're not for a rookie mini camp. I, I was very pleasantly surprised with Payne Durham. He spoke with us yesterday, uh, so we didn't speak with him today. But just looking at him today, what what were your thoughts on Payne Durham, uh, the Bucks' fifth rounder out of Purdue? So the first day. He was kind of so-so. I heard he had like a couple of drops, but the second day, really consistent, caught everything his way. And he, he has 4.87 speed. That's what he clocked in with his 40 time. So he's not going to be running past anybody, but his physicality, the ability to make tough contested catches, he doesn't really necessarily need to have the speed, but the ability to make plays when the ball's thrown his way. And he definitely showed that he can do that. Last year at Purdue, he had eight touchdowns 
And he's going to be the red zone threat for the Bucs this year. And some of the packages that they run and two tight end sets, it looks like he'll have that role. And he has the ability to thrive in it. And we mentioned tight ends that don't have that breakaway speed. There's still the ability to have a great career. You see guys like Heath Miller, Jason Witten in the past, past, and want to temper expectations. But Payne Durham, he could have a very productive career. Yeah, he just plucks the ball out of out of the sky. Yeah. I mean, if the coverage is close, you ex- I expect Payne Durham to come down with it most times. Um, if he can find an element to be able to stretch the field, he's going to be a dangerous weapon for the Buccaneers. Um, and they, they have a bunch of dangerous weapons already, and they're continuing to add to it. I think when you look at tight end, the tight end room with Co-Keep and Kate Otten, they all kind of provide something a little bit different. You know, like Otten's that traditional Y. He's a good blocker. He can go out and catch and make receptions. Um, and, and be there for the quarterback as that safety valve. Uh, Co-keep is your – he's your blocking tight end. I mean, he is a guy who's going to be able to line up at H-back, line up at fullback, line up on the line of scrimmage, and just bury people. We saw it last year, pancakes galore, you know, and a solid special teamer as well. And I think w- w- what you have with Durham is a guy who is going to be a red zone threat. He's going to be a guy who, who can um, be a, a legitimate contested catch guy, uh, who can work to the ball. Um, so I, I think with this tight end room, you're looking in good shape. With the wide receiver room, obviously you have the big three with Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, and Russell Gage. Holdovers, Kalen Geiger, and Devin Tompkins. But, you know, I really think those two players need to look over their shoulder and need to have a heck of a camp because what I've seen so far from Trey Palmer, but also yeah. uh, some of the other guys, Rakeem Jarrett um, and – um, Tay Barber and, and Cade Warner, all three of those guys have looked really crisp in their route running. Uh, Cade Warner had a really nice catch today where there were three guys around him and he just found the spot in the zone that the quarterback could dump the ball off. It wasn't a long catch. It was maybe five, 10 yards. It's hard to tell from, from the opposite end of the field. Um, you know, he would have got smacked <laughs> and you, you hope you would have held on to the ball, but just his ability to find that, that, that small area in between three defenders. I think that just demonstrates what his game was at K-State. Tay Barber, he's got good speed to him. Uh, A lot of people don't know, as I mentioned it yesterday, but if you didn't watch, he's actually top five and top ten in receptions and yards all time at TCU. And they had Quinton Johnson, uh, Darius Davis come out. They also had Jalen Rager. And there was another number one draft pick that came out uh, in the last couple years. I forget uh, who it was. But, you know, for for a program that's put out top tier, you know, at least three first round picks in the last five years and another high uh, another high pick in Davis, you know, for him to have that kind of production playing inside, playing outside, um, he could be an asset as well. And Jared, I've just been impressed by Jared. I, I think yeah, he should have been drafted too. Five, five, six round, I think was where he was projected to go. Um obviously went undrafted but looking at him he runs smooth routes he's catching nearly everything he had a drop today but made up for it on his next rep uh the ball kind of placed a little high it still hit him in his hands he should have came down with that catch that's a catch you have to make but you know one drop in the in the last two days i've seen him make uh, i've been really impressed with this undrafted free agent class what is what's been your thoughts um about some of these undrafted free agents and, and what you've seen today so you mentioned the receivers and Cade Warner, probably the one that stood out the most to me today and just his ability to make catches down and he, the ability to get down the field too. And it all goes back to his football lineage, having a dad who was a Super Bowl winning quarterback. You can tell he fits the mold and in being an intelligent player and knowing where to be at the right time and getting to the ball. I think it'll do him very well in his path to get to the NFL and just the buzz around him, it sounds like he has a real shot to be the sixth wide receiver, making it on the Bucks roster, and also having the ability in special teams as well. And one guy that we didn't mention today who also played at Kansas State, I wanted to mention Josh Hayes as well. And he played with Cody Mauk at North Dakota State and Cade Warner at Kansas State. He had some really good things to say today as well, and making – not being afraid to make contact and hitting trees with his shoulder as a kid and wanting to be a professional and being a jack of all trades piece and Todd Bowles defense. I know it kind of deviates from 
the undrafted rookies, but I also wanted to give a shout out to Josh Hayes as well. Yeah, when you look at Josh Hayes, I mean, he's firmly entrenched in that in that battle for the starting nickel spot. When you look at the Bucks roster right now, it's it's you know, Antoine Winfield's not Jr.'s not gonna play there. He's gonna play at free safety. So you've got Josh Hayes right there. You have holdovers in D Delaney and Anthony Chesley, maybe Zion McCollum, although I think he's better suited to the outside. Maybe he gets some more reps in there after a full offseason. Um and I, I he's firmly in that conversation. We saw him take most of his reps in the slot, um, working with the cornerbacks more so than the safeties um, with the Buccaneers. So they're trying to form a cornerback himself before, before he played safety and nickel last year. So, you know, when you look at his ability to have that versatility in the backfield, I, I spoke with his, um, with uh, Coach Van Malone at K-State, one of his position coaches, and one of the biggest things that he improved on because at cornerback – you're listening, right? You're listening for the safeties to call out the assignments, to call out the looks. Well, that's one area he improved that tremendously was being able to communicate. And every week he got better at it and better at it and better at it, better at lining everybody up and putting them in the right spots. Um, and then just having that, you know, to quote the great Ted Lasso, that goldfish mind <laughs> where, you know, coach Van Malone said they call it the tank at K-State. So, as a cornerback, especially as a cornerback, you're going to make some great plays, but you're going to get beat. It's just natural progression of the game, especially in today's passing league NFL. You're going to get beat, but it was it was Josh Hayes' ability to move on from that play, and he spoke about that today, and, and go to the next play and not let that hinder him. And for him, he's played a lot of football. When he came in there, one of the biggest things they needed out of him was to be a leader and a relatively young cornerback group class, you know, class in that secondary at K-State. And his impression that he left on those younger guys was um, something that really impressed the coaches there. Um, and you, you can kind of see that uh, his ability to just keep it moving, uh, you know, forget this play. Go to the next play. And for me, mentally, that is the biggest thing for a cornerback or defensive back in the NFL is to be able to move on from a bad play quickly or move on even more so from a good play. Don't get too caught up on it because the next play you could be burnt toast. We've seen it with every cornerback in the league that's ever played. Down to Deion Sanders, Jalen Ramsey right now is regarded as one of the best. You name the quarterback, he's been beat. But it's their ability to move on from that play. And, and Josh Hayes has that. Uh, that's one of his strengths that he has. So definitely excited about what I've seen from him. I think another guy who's in that mix is Christian Izian uh, from Rutgers, uh, who Coach Bowles said he reminded him of Antoine Winfield Jr. He was lined up in the slot all you know the last two days as well. Um, and I think he's another guy who uh, is going to be in the mix. And I know he's an undrafted guy, but – Quite frankly, he probably should have been drafted with the way he played there. Definitely. And another uh, safety, KV on Merriweather. Yeah. He was projected to be drafted as well. And just the ability to find guys that appear to be like draft, like draft prospects, maybe like the fifth, sixth round, and getting them undrafted. Yeah. And perhaps the biggest steal, Sean Tucker, who we actually saw at the Advent Health Training Center today, wearing number 44. And it sounds like he'll be cleared to play pretty soon. Yeah, Sean Tucker, you look at him, he's beefy, man. He is yeah. a thick back. Um, and, and this is a, actually a really cool story about the number 44. So at Syracuse, obviously there has been a, a, a legacy players there like Jim Brown, uh, Ernie Davis, um, and, and a couple other guys there who have really taken that number 44 to the next level so, so far to the point where Syracuse has retired it. But every once in a while – They'll get together. They'll unretire number four, a special running back. And that's what Sean Tucker was at Syracuse. I mean, he set records there at over 3,000 yards in his career there. And there was a point where he was excited and, and said, hey, look, if they'll unretire 44 for me, I will gladly wear that. There was his final year, you know, midway through his final year uh, where he was like, you know, 44 would have been nice, but I I'm 34. Well, the Bucks don't have a 44 in history. And now he's getting to wear that number. Um, you look at the size. You look at the production. You look at the money they gave him. 
They're definitely excited about him. I'm excited about him to see what he can do once he's medically cleared. Um, you know, he didn't sign yesterday. It was announced as an official signing today. We saw him out there. It was funny. You came up to me. He's like, who's 44? And I'm like, all right, I'm on a mission. Who's 44? <laughs> and we finally found out that it was Sean Tucker. And then we got some close-up pictures and, and really got to see him. So, uh, you know, obviously not being able to to throw on the on the helmet yet. That's a possibility for him down the road. We'll see how soon, whether that's OTA's mandatory minicamp or it's something that's going to happen at training camp. Um, but for him to have signed the deal, the Bucks had to have felt good about his medical condition, which was a heart condition. I'm not going to speculate on exactly what it was, uh, but you have to think that they felt good um, with their team doctors. I'm sure they got second opinions on it as well. You don't want to mess with something as critical as your heart, especially on the football field uh, after you know we saw what happened. Um, unfortunately, uh, to Demar Hamlin, so heightened sense of awareness with with anything regarding the heart and playing this rough and tough gladiators game of football. So that's a good sign that he was cleared. And I know there's a lot of Q's fans um, outside, a lot of Bucks fans excited for what he can do. And another guy, as you mentioned, could have been drafted, should have been drafted. Um, and it seems like that is one thing where the Bucks really kind of got lucky uh, in undrafted free agency with a lot of these guys. Uh, because if you look at the guys they brought in, specifically the positions they brought in, it's Bucks positions and needs. A yeah. And I, I talked to Rakeem Jarrett. I said, you know, it stinks not getting drafted, right? But at almost the same point, by the seventh round comes around, it's almost better because you get to pick and choose your spot. And, you know, when you look at the Bucks, there's three guys penciled in and after these, like, you know, I, I saw a great opportunity here. And, and that's what this is for guys like Sean Tucker uh, for that RB3, RB4 role. That's what it is for Trey Palmer, Cade Warner. And Cade Warner talked about that yesterday. You know, you're looking at the landscape of the league. Uh, it, it, the Bucks have a need for wide receiver. After those first three, there's a, 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 a real shot for that. Unlike the past years when the roster's been loaded, now at wide receiver with Tate Barber, Cade Warner, Rakeem, Rakeem Jarrett, um, at nickel cornerback with Chris Izian, at safety with Kayvon Merriweather, who had an interception today, at yep. linebacker you know, with, with Jeremy Banks. And, and a lot of these guys uh, who were projected to be drafted either in the fifth, sixth, seventh round that didn't, there was really no better landing spot when you look at the landscape of the league for them than this offense. And I think they're going to contribute um, in ways either their rookie year or at the very least, I think you'll see a lot of these rookies, undrafted guys on the practice squad. Definitely. And you see that the silver lining and bringing in all these undrafted free agents is the hunger that they have to make the team. And watching training camp in July, you're going to see more hunger than you did last year just with all the undrafted guys really fighting for spots all across the roster. And you have Sean Tucker pictured here. He looks pretty good and red. He traded in that, that Syracuse orange for some uh, Tampa Bay, Tampa Bay Buccaneer red and just his potential to be next year. You have Keyshawn Vaughn as a free agent. Chase Edmonds only signed to a one-year deal. He could really be that running back too behind Rashad white and his ability. It's there. You mentioned over 3,000 rushing yards at Syracuse. He ranks third all-time in all the great running backs that they've had. 23 touchdowns the last two years, back-to-back 1,000-yard -back seasons. And just his ability to make crisp cuts and be elusive. And coaches don't really talk about undrafted free agents much. But Dave Canales, he brought up Cade Warner and Sean Tucker, even comparing him to Thomas Rawls, who was right. an undrafted guy in Seattle. We've got a great I article about it as well out right now. Thank you. And just his ability to maybe be next in line. The Bucs have had some success finding undrafted running backs and LeGarrette Blount and Peyton Barber. It's very easy to see him fitting in that running back picture. And I also wanted to mention there was a comment here earlier from Douglas, uh, Ronnie Brown from oh, Shepard, yeah. another guy who could maybe fit in the running back picture. Yeah, I like Ronnie Brown a lot. Um, you know, he just brings energy. He's got great bursts. You look what he did at D2 at Shepard. He was everywhere, whether it was in the return game, as a receiver, as a running back. He had some really good um, – I mean, he's just catching every. His hands – he's catching everything thrown his way. His hands – has has come as advertised. Uh, he's got good vision, shows good explosiveness, and you know he's doing it against college guys. So you know, 
undrafted free agents and, and the such. So you really want to see him do it at, at the next level once everyone's in for, for OTAs and everything like that. But I've been impressed with what I've seen so far. Um, I know he's got a big uh, contingency out there in the Twitterverse. He can play football. There, there's there's um, some uh, some people out there comparing his looking at his numbers that he put up as far as height, weight, statistics, and everything, and comparing him to Christian McCaffrey. I don't know if I'd go that far, uh, just because he is a white running back with the same comparables. But I do think that when you look at what he can provide. Um, at, at least as a practice squad guy, he's got that ability to develop and, and groom. And as you mentioned, you know, the success, not only the Bucks have had, but in Seattle with the guys they had with the Thomas Rawls and the seventh round, Chris Carson's and, and all these other guys, et cetera, who have come through. Um, I, I think Ronnie Brown has a good chance to, if he doesn't make the team, which I think he's got an uphill battle, depending on Sean Tucker, obviously, um, and his health situation, but I think he's got a really good shot to to stick around in the practice squad. Um, and and after he's sh- after what I've seen from two days, you know, um, I, I, I'm I'm a fan. I, <laughs> Scott was kind of teasing me for it because I pick these obscure guys every year that I that I really like, and I don't know why it's, <laughs> but um, he, he's kind of teasing me a little bit with Ronnie Brown and. I wrote about Ronnie Brown, too, in uh, the Undrafted Free Agent article that I wrote. I just dropped in Sly's uh, article about um, Thomas Rawls and Canals talking about Sean Tucker, if he can be that type of way. But the Bucks have a need for RB4 on this roster. I like Patrick Leard. Um, I, you know, I liked him last year. He's had some success in the league as well um, with the Miami Dolphins. But I think when you look at it, uh, he's more of that practice squad guy. So it, it's really up to Ronnie Brown and, and specifically um, Sean Tucker to take command and, you know, win this, win this job. I know someone just asked uh, Ronnie Brown's height and weight. Uh, 5'11", change, 192. We're in a 4'4", 6. What I wrote about him is uh, – uh, excellent vision, burst, and speed to pop through the open hole. We saw that on display today. Uh, if you go check out our uh, mini camp breakdown number two, I actually wrote about that. Uh, soft hands, elusive as a runner, knows how to set up blocks. He, he had a um, uh, he was in pass protection, um, and, and that's somewhere where he's going to have to get better. But he he, he handled it well. Uh, kick returner, he had fourteen hundred yards, fifty nine returns and a score over his four years at Shepard. Um, you know, he he can be susceptible at looking for that home run play and losing yards, trying to bounce it out, bounce it to the outside. Um, and he's not he's not a churner. He's not going to churn uh, yards to the tackles. He's not that, that type of player. But he finished last season with 2,452 all-purpose yards, 1,800 <laughs> yards insane. rushing, Almost 600 yards receiving, 19 touchdowns on the ground, five more through the air, 8.4 yards per carry. Uh, so, you know, obviously it's a jumping competition. I, I'm not crowning him as a spot on the roster, especially not over Sean Tucker, but I think he has a, a good shot at, at making the team on the practice squad and contributing there. For sure. And one comment, you kind of mentioned all his stats. They really don't lie. And just his production throughout college, he could it's gonna be a start stark contrast to playing at division two, but if he can translate some of his abilities, we've already kind of seen it throughout minicamp, he can definitely make the practice squad and both him and Tucker have more upside as a running back four. Right. We've talked about um We've talked about all the guys in the draft, and some of the guys have been undrafted. Um, Jeremy Banks, just highlight him today. Man, his closing speed that me and and that Scott has talked about and we talked about yesterday was on this full display today. He yeah. He's able to close into the ball, and he had one play today um, where Payne Durham was the target. Um, and even with Durham's wide catch radius, uh, Banks, he seemed about three to four yards away, but in an instant, the ball was thrown. Reed recognized it and was there to tip the ball away. And that would have been all great and dandy if it went for an incompletion. That's what you want to see, especially as a linebacker. You love to see the pick. But when you create for others, that's even better. And Kayvon Merriweather came down with the interception on that play. So, you know, creating, 
that that quick burst closing speed was there. Um, and really, I think he's a guy had some character problems in the past, but it seems like talking to everybody, you know, coaches and obviously the front office, um, those are in those are in the past. He's not that type of guy anymore. He's learned. He's humble. He's grown. I spoke with him briefly yesterday, and he's very excited to be here for the opportunity. Uh, again, just like Servasi Dennis, he gets to learn from two of the best in the business. Um, you know, you you watch. I, I have some clips posted up on my Twitter page, uh, and we'll get those over to Peter Report as well. So definitely go check out that of, of him and drills where, again, they're opening their hips side to side, side to side before they turn and make a play on the ball. And you can see the hips. He's got very loose hips to be able to drop back in coverage and turn on a dime. And that was part of his game at Tennessee, too. So very, I, I was very impressed with him uh, over the two days. I know Scott was as well, talked about him yesterday. But one guy we didn't talk about is the big red, the big red machine, Cody <laughs> Need Mock. Need to mention him. Yep. Cody Mock, second-round pick. Man, this, pencil him in. He's a right guard. Um, took all the reps there the last two days. The Bucks really want to see him win that competition, but a competition it's going to be with guys like Nick Leverett, Bob Hainsey, Aaron Stinney behind him. We talked to Harold Goodwin, and he really wants to see Brandon Walton at guard, thinks it's a better position, even though he could end up being that swing tackle guy or potentially getting snaps at right tackle. But Cody Mock, man, as advertised, the athleticism burst there were some drills and i think i think we've got some up on pewter report i know i have some on my page of him working on double team blocks and shedding the shedding the blocker passing the blocker over to his line mate and then getting to the next level and he does that with such quickness and athleticism and strength uh i am excited about what i've seen from cody mock someone mentioned the hair flip that was amazing but cody mock just watching one day what were your thoughts of it i want to bring up this comment here and what he can do with no pads. Harold Goodwin actually mentioned that, and it kind of connects to what impressed me the most is his technique and ability. And no pads, it's hard to really judge the the strength and physicality, but when you can see his hand placement and the ability to make sound adjustments with his feet, and that's really impressive. What he does at 305 pounds athletically, um, he can add to his frame, but he's just, he's lean, He's quick, and he'll fit that wide zone scheme that Dave Canales will run. Just really impressed with him, and it definitely at the next level, he profiles more as a guard. also want to mention Harold Goodwin today in addressing the tackle situation. The Bucks didn't see the value in drafting a tackle, but the guys that they have in the building, they're confident that one of them, you have Tristan Wirfs on one side, and it looks to be the left side, and they're confident in a guy like Gook. Luke Gedeke can make the transition to right tackle, a position he played in college. And it seems to be that the depth chart at offensive line is getting figured out. And it's likely Malk will see some time at guard this season if it's not week one. Yeah, I mean, like, guys, I, I just want to say there wasn't enough room to put in Bucks rookie minicamp day two recap. Asterix, we're only in short shirts and shorts and helmets. There's no pads, etc. Exclamation point, exclamation point. I get it. These guys aren't in pads, especially offensive D linemen. You really can't get a good look at what they can do. But as Adam just said, stalking, talking to good, you can see hand placement. You can see um, from one rep to another rep, the ability to learn, retain, and move and execute it. Um, again, we've got clips on my page and Peter Reports page on Twitter that are showing Goody talk the mock and say, back, back, get back a little bit. And then in a, talking to him yesterday, adjusting him, having that one-on-one -on -one time, and then you see the next rep and you see the improvement there. That's what we're looking for. That's what mm -hmm. you can tell um, about a player is their ability to learn, ability to adapt, ability to adjust quickly. The Bucks, these players, you know, it got a little windy towards like the last 20 minutes, but the sun was shining. This was 90-degree football weather. It, it is hot for a lot of these guys. Cody Mock's never been to Florida. He's never had this type of weather. He doesn't know what, what the heck He's is going on. He's got a tan going. He does. He's got a bit of a tan. <laughs> uh, but, you know, you got to think you're, you're, you're making all these adjustments at the same time. You're sweating your, your, your you know, your butt off. Um, and that's what we're looking at with the offensive lineman. That's what we're looking at with the defensive lineman. Obviously, there's no contact. Obviously, we can't get a great feel for what they can do. But that being said, I think I was really encouraged by the guys like uh, Cody Mock and guys like Chris Murray 
who who's making that that switch over from center to uh, right guard to center, and he took all the reps with the first unit uh, this weekend at, at center as well. Didn't have any you know fumbles or any errant snaps or anything like that. I think when you're looking at offensive linemen, even Silas Dianzi, who who was was signed and he he played some right tackle. He did have that false start, but he's he's a day behind. He only had one day. Um, in the system because he he wasn't able to sign yesterday. So, you know, when you look at these guys with the Cody Mocks and with the Chris Murrays and some of these undrafted guys, Luke Haggard, who we don't have a picture of, but here it is right here, you know, Goody telling him, this is where your hand placement, you see the next drill, his hand placement is there. Um, That's what excites us. That's what, that's what, you know, you take away from these things. So, um, I think when you look at this Bucks draft class, when you look at the undrafted free agent class, you know, I was I was talking to some people today about this. Just uh, the fact of the matter is uh, the Bucks had a goal in mind when they when they went to the draft and when they went into the undrafted free agency. And that's not to say last year or the year before draft class was any different. But this year there was a, a very high profile on these guys' character and their work ethic and having the production to back it up. And every single one of these guys that they drafted, a lot of these guys that they took as undrafted free agents, have the production, have that athleticism, have the smarts, the intangibles that you need uh, to be successful, not just as a starter or as a, a potential, you know, amazing, great player for the rest of their career, but guys who can contribute and contribute in a way. We look at the Bucks teams the last couple of years, depth has been an issue. Cornerback outside linebacker, defensive line, offensive line, wide receiver. Depth has been an issue. And while these guys, I'm not saying they're the whole, you know, we're not looking at Julio Jones stacked with, you know, uh, this guy and this guy. We're not looking at, you know, Richard Sherman and all these other guys, you know, who've got pedigree in the league coming in here, but at the end of their cycle, we're looking at young guys who are hungry, who play versatile positions, who play on special teams, and who are going to work their butt off to put themselves in a good position. I'm hyped about this draft and this undrafted free agent class more so, and I'm really excited for this training camp more so than I have. You guys know I'm from Boston. like More so than I have been the past three years when Tom Brady was here because uh, I just see the competition, and competition uh, just drives everyone to be better. And I think that that's going to happen this year in droves, and I think we're going to see a really competitive uh, group this year get after it and it's going to be a lot of fun for training camp and hopefully that breeds the success into preseason which breeds success into the regular season um, and, and it turns out for good results for the Bucks. but that's my thoughts on day one and day two like I said I'm excited um, as I'm just excited for football back to be back honestly but you know if there was things that I thought uh, were detriments I didn't see any of those I didn't see anyone really falter to, you know, to the point where like, oh, man, uh, a lot of the tryout guys, they didn't stand out to me. Um, but watching the the main undrafted guys, the big guys that they brought in, the guys that we've talked about at Pewter Report, Scott's talked about and featured in his Fab Five, those guys and the draft picks really stood out to me. And I'm really impressed by them from what I've seen over two days of rookie mini camp, obviously without pads and everything. Yeah. And you make some great points about after Tom Brady and, and like some of the veteran additions that the team has had in years past, it's about laying a new foundation, not necessarily rebuilding, but retooling and just adding to the culture. There's still a lot of veteran guys that these rookies can learn from. We mentioned with Servasier Dennis, with Levante David and Devin White, you have guys like Jose Ramirez, who's been mm. compared to Shaq Barrett already in the building and just having those like the rookies having those veterans to lean on and learn from it's going to, it's going to be interesting definitely in training camp and preseason, because a lot of these guys can have an impact this season. And as we've seen throughout mini camp, not just the draft picks, the undrafted guys as well, guys that had draft grades on them that the Bucks were able to, to bring in based on the fact that they could have roles. And of all the teams out there, Tampa Bay was a prime destination, not just for the weather, but for the opportunity to come in, be a wide receiver, be an extra corner, and just step in from day one. 
Right, yeah, I, I, and I think there was a lot of spots, and that what drew a lot of these undrafted free agents here was the opportunity here. And, guys, I want to thank you for the opportunity to let me and Sly do this. I know it's a Saturday night, 7 o'clock. A lot of you guys, if you're younger, you're going out. If you're older, you're getting ready to, to turn down for what. Um, so thank you guys for the opportunity for us to, to, to join us tonight, uh, over 150 people at one point. Uh, please get those likes up. Hit those subscribe buttons. Guys, follow us on all of our platforms, on Twitter, at Peter Report, on Instagram. Facebook, obviously our Facebook is really jumping up in numbers, so we appreciate that. YouTube, we're almost at 10,500, uh, 10, so we're, we're, we're trying to get better there and bigger there. And when you guys like and subscribe, it puts us in front of more pewter people, uh, supports the algorithm. So I want to thank you guys uh, for being here tonight. Thank you guys for the comments and, and chatting it up. Um, but that's going to do it for us. So uh, closing out day two of Rookie Minicamp for Sly, Adam Slavon. JC Allen. We're out of here. Thank you guys. We'll catch you next week. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. We've got big shows, big guests. Make sure you tune in. Keep it here at Pewter Report, pewterreport.com, Pewter Report, Twitter, and Facebook. We're out.